Is anybody excited to be in church this morning? You can go ahead and be seated right where you're at. If you don't know me, I'm the one Viking fan that Pastor is talking about. That's me. My name's Andrew. I'm a part of our, our staff team here at Celebration, and uh, we are delighted that you are with us here in person, and for every person that is tuning in online, we are so glad uh, that you're with us today. Uh, really quick, I just want to just share one thing, maybe for the person that's been here for maybe a few weeks, and you're really trying to figure out, maybe, maybe you've been here for months, and really trying to figure out what is your next step. Is it just all about Sundays, or is there more to celebration? Discover Course is a course that we offer here at the church every month for people to not only discover their purpose. God has a purpose for you. There's a reason why you're in the family that you're in. There's a reason why you're at the job that you're at. God has a purpose for you. And this course is helping people discover that purpose, but also discovering why Celebration Church exists. And I think it's good to know why the church that you attend week in and week, in, week out exists. As a matter of fact, today is step one of Discover Course, and again, that takes place right after service. So if you're interested in being a part of that, you don't have to sign up. You can just show up uh, to our Discover Course room, which is at the end of the lobby to the left, and you can be a part of that today. Well, hey, I'm excited about uh, Fred. Did I do it right? That, that, that was for Fred. Fred is teaching step one today, and it's going to be awesome. I'm excited um, about today's message. I hope it helps you. I know it's something that's been helping me. I believe it's applicable for everybody. And uh, I'm going to start off by reading our opening text. And it's a long text. It's 18 verses. I know, but we're in church and we, we read the Bible. And so uh, in this text, it's a story. And there's a lot that takes place in this story. Uh, but I want to read the entire text because there's things that we're going to pull from the story uh, throughout the message today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 39. Someone just got like, he's going to read a lot. This is an awesome story. I want you to really put yourself in this story. You can be whoever you want, but this is a really, really cool story. In verse 21, it says this, Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Jesus, uh, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd, and she touched his robe. This lady's a creeper, but she was desperate for a miracle. That's not in the verse, but I, that was my thought. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized that once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around and he asked the crowd, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. 
Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, she came and she fell to her knees in front of him and she told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, now we're going back to Jairus. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use of troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and he asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The title of my message today is this. What do you think? What do you think? I'm going to pray and then we're going to continue this. God, we just need your help today. God, we invite you into this place to speak through us through your word. God, you see everybody that's here. You know what they're going through and you know what they need to hear. God, I surrender my voice to you today. And God, we are in faith and we are believing for things to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Tom. I was a freshman in high school. I was in math class. Um, I, I liked math until they started introducing letters and then I lost interest. And um, on this specific day, I was extra bored and class was an extra hour long. So this made up for a two hour class. And and uh, I was bored, but thankfully my best friend was also in the same class and we happened to sit next to each other. All of our desks were in pairs. And so we're sitting there and out of the corner of my eye, I see this huge cardboard, piece of cardboard lying between these two filing cabinets. Um, it's lying between the filing cabinets. So I grab it and I place it on our desk. We pull out our extra large Sharpies and we start doodling on the cardboard. And as we're doodling, I think to myself, hey, how funny would it be to like write something really big uh, we could take your shoelace, we could hang it out the window so everybody can see, like, our sign. He's like, that's an awesome idea. What do you want to write? And I didn't know, but he looked at me, and I looked at him. And I'm like, well, we're both Mexican. What if we write this? In big, in, in big words, help Mexicans inside, like the Mexicans are taking over the classroom. If you're a Hispanic, I hope that didn't offend you. Hispanics aren't easily offended, though, unless you don't finish all your food on your plate. Then they get really mad. But anyways, so our sign says, help, Mexicans inside, and uh, we, 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 we pop a hole through the cardboard with the shoelace, we throw it out the window. I don't know what was more amazing, our sign or our ability to pull this off in the middle of math class. Um, so we throw it out, we tie it to something, and it's dangling outside. Uh, we're on the second floor overseeing the main part of the campus. About 15 minutes later, these two counselors, they come to the front door, and I, I, I know why they're there. So I'm nervous, and I'm panicking, because I'm still in trouble from previous things I'd done that week. And I'm thinking, like, I'm done. They're going to expel me. My mom's going to disown me. Mom, I know you're watching. My mom's going to disown me. She's going to send me to Mexico. I'm going to have to live with my uncle there. I'm just pan I'm going to have to drink the water on accident. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to have to go to the doctor, and then I'm not going to be able to speak good English. Uh, and it was just, just bad, or good, good Spanish, sorry. And I'm going, I'm just panicking. I'm panicking. My friends, like, chill out. They'll never know it's us. I'm like, bro, we're the only Mexicans in the class. It, it, it took them about 12 seconds to realize who had done it. 
Now we're sitting in the office with a counselor to my right, a counselor to my left, and this huge cardboard right in front of us. The counselor to the right, he's letting us have it. What were you thinking? You guys are done. You're never going to come back to this school. He's letting us have it. I want to cry. And by the time he's done, I look over to the counselor to my left, waiting for him now to rebuke us. And um, he looks a little confused. The counselor to my right looks over to the other counselor. Well, what do you think? The counselor says, well, I don't see anything wrong with helping Mexicans. And I was confused. So I re-looked at my sign. Thank God I was bad at English. I forgot to put a comma after the word help. So the counselor to my right, he's seen what we meant. Help! Mexicans inside! While the counselor to my left, he's seen help Mexicans inside. What was, what was crazy to me in that moment was that two people can look at the exact same thing and define it completely different. He, Jesus has his group. They walk into this house, and they're confronted with another group. Both groups are looking at the exact same thing. One group says she's dead, while the other group says she's asleep. What you think absolutely matters. Jairus, they say she's dead. We say she's asleep. Jairus, what do you think? What do you think? Your thoughts matter. What you think about your future, it matters. What you think about your current situation today, it matters. What you think about your spouse, it matters. What you think about your kids, it matters. We're in this teaching on Wednesday nights, and I want to quote something that we learned uh, from Pastor Craig Rochelle this past Wednesday. He, he had made this statement. He said this, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I want to read that one more time. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. J. Iris, what do you think? Is she dead or is she asleep? Jesus said she's asleep, and the group over here says she's dead. Jesus had a different perspective, and it's really important to understand this. You don't naturally think like God thinks. When you look at your situation, you're going to think one way, naturally. It's dead. But God has a different perspective. We don't naturally think like God thinks. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9, it says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God has an elevated perspective that you don't naturally have. A few years ago, I was on a trail looking for bear. We were looking for bear. I'm on one side. Pastors, he's a hunter. I, I, they already know that, though, Pastor. So. He sends me on this trail. I'm really excited to look for bear. 
There's a river right in the middle. I'm on one side of the trail, on this side of the river, and my brother-in-laws are on the other side. I'm walking on a flat ground. They're walking on a, on a hillside. They have a, an elevated perspective. We're nearly done. We're nearly back to the car, and I'm thinking, like, I've seen nothing. There is nothing out here. If you ask me what I think about this trail, I'm going to tell you there's nothing out here. I was discouraged. I had seen nothing. I had a new perspective of this trail. Right around that time, as I'm getting frustrated, I get a call from my brother-in-law. He says, hey, there's a bear about 200 yards ahead of you. He had a perspective that I did not have. I was ready to put away my weapon. I was ready to call it a day because I didn't think there was any possibility of me seeing something. He was on an elevated hill and seen something out ahead of me. I had a decision to make. Do I want to believe what I think or do I want to adopt his perspective? I'm grateful I adopted his perspective. God has an elevated perspective that you don't have and you have to make a decision. Will I remain thinking the way I do or will I adopt God's perspective? Will I adopt the way that God thinks? We don't naturally think like God thinks. You may be saying, well, who cares? Why can't I think like I want to think? And why can't God think like he wants to think? Because if you don't think like God thinks, you'll start planning funerals for things that were just asleep. I've got to adopt the way he thinks, Jairus, she's only asleep. She's only asleep. Jairus needed a miracle. I believe there's people in this place that are looking to see transformation as well. We're believing that transformation is possible. We're, we're, we're believing that this month we'll experience transformation in areas that we thought were dead. God is capable of bringing transformation. But there's something he does in the life of Jairus before he transforms his situation. In Mark chapter 5, verse 35 through 36, it says, While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter's dead. There's no use of troubling the teacher. But Jesus overheard, and he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Jairus... Right now in this moment, I'm not talking about your daughter. I want to talk to you. Before transformation can take place in Jairus' situation, transformation had to take place in Jairus. Before God can transform what you want transformed, God needs to transform you. He needs to transform the way you think. Jairus! Jairus, I know we got somewhere to go. Jairus, I, I know you want me to transform your situation, but Jairus, I need to talk to you really quick. Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Jairus, I need you to receive this transformation. Jairus could have said, no, God, I just want to be afraid. I don't really care. Just go transform my Jairus, no. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. 
If Jairus would not have allowed the words of Jesus to transform him, when Jairus got to the house, he would have been no match for the weeping and wailing taking place over his dead daughter's body. Jesus understood, Jairus, before you get to that house, you need to draw a line in the stand and determine where you stand. Transformation had to happen in him before it could happen in his situation. The reality is, is if God miraculously changes your situation today, but you still think the way you did yesterday, you'll find yourself six weeks down the road needing another miracle. Throughout scripture, God would heal people in moments. And then Jesus would make this statement, hey, go your way and sin no more. In other words, hey, what got you in the predicament? You may want to just change the way you think. Why? Because you might find yourself in desperate need, needing that same miracle again. If we don't deal with that sickness mentality, if I heal your body today, you'll be sick in six weeks when symptoms start rising up. Hey, if you don't deal with that poverty, that poor mentality, if I give you all the money in the world today, you will find yourself broke as a joke in about a year and a half. He's trying to transform you so he can then transform your situation. Wants to transform you before he transforms your situation. How does transformation take place? Jesus gives a word, and his word that he gave was the empowerment for transformation to begin. You can hear a lot of great things. You can Go to the gym and work out really, really hard and try to get your mind in check. You can add more hours at work to distract you. You can do all of those things, but the only thing that is truly going to transform you to get you to think like God thinks are the words of God. The Bible. If you want to know what God thinks, you're going to have to read your Bible. You're not going to see what God thinks on the news. You're not going to see what God thinks on commercials. You're not going to see what God thinks on billboards. You're not going to see what God thinks uh, based on what your friends tell you. You're going to see what God thinks in the God scriptures that are available to every single one of us. What transformed Jairus was the word. What transformed him was the word. This is why here at Celebration, we start our days off by reading a chapter a day. Andrew, why do you read your chapter? Because I don't think like God thinks, and I need to find out what he thinks. We have morning devos, our daily devotions. Every morning, someone gets in front of a camera, we go live, and we talk about the chapter that we read. Why do you do that? Because you don't think like God thinks, and you need to get those thoughts inside of you. The Word of God is the only thing that is going to transform your thinking. So when you have a thought that you don't like, instead of ignoring it, go to the Word. Find out what God's thought is and take that thought from God and get it in front of you. We learned this past week, we're going to do these three things. We're going to write it out. God, I'm going to write out your thought. I'm going to look at that thing and then I'm going to think it. And then when I think it, I'm going to confess it until I believe it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to think it. I'm going to confess it until I believe it. I'm going to take the scripture that applies to what I'm facing and I'm going to think it, confess it, until I believe it. 
The word of God transformed Jairus in that moment. Tom, you can come up and help me. The 49er game is going to be starting soon. Just kidding. That was a half joke. If you didn't know, Pastor had a 49ers logo on his jacket today. Man, this is the Niners church. It's the Niners church. <laughs> transformation. I think the idea of transformation sounds really awesome. Like we could super clap about it. But the reality is this transformation is not always comfortable. Transformation is not always easy. Because every now and then, there's going to be a thought, like a, real, like a thought that you have that so contradicts God's thought. And as much as you know, like, God, I get that's your thought, but I feel entitled to my thought. Because the way I was raised, this is what we believe. The way I was raised, this is what we know. I know that's what you think, God, but uh, I, I'm good with those other thoughts. But this, this way of thinking, no. Transformation is not always comfortable. But you can remain entitled to your thoughts, or you can have your breakthrough, but you can't have both. Jairus was confronted with this thought in this moment. When Jairus is leaving from the shore, there was a crowd of people that pressed around Jesus. We read that there was a woman in that crowd, and we don't know a lot about the woman except two things. Number one, she had this illness problem. She was bleeding a lot. Number two, she's dealt with this for 12 years. She touches Jesus' robe, and healing comes to her body. But then Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Now, this is, this is crazy because Jesus was never trying to draw attention to himself. So many times Jesus would heal someone, and he's out quick. Like, hey, you got your healing. I'm out. Peace. He knew this woman received her healing. He felt it come out of him. But he stops. He stops with Jairus. And they're standing there. And Jesus is like, hey, who touched me? Where did Jairus come stand next to me? Hey, who touched me? Jairus is thinking, who, who cares? This woman steps forward. She was afraid. She was afraid because of the illness she had. In those days, there was laws in place. And the Levitical law said anybody that has that condition is categorized as unclean. To be unclean was not something you wanted to be categorized as. No, you don't want to be unclean. People with leprosy had to, had to refer to themselves as unclean. In other words, stay away from me. I'm contaminated. This woman had been in this condition for 12 years. Couldn't be around anybody. She was going through it. So when she comes out of the crowd and tells Jesus her story, guess who caught wind of her issue? Jairus. Jairus was a leader of the synagogue. If anyone understood the laws, it was Jairus. 
She's unclean. She shouldn't be here. And anything she touches according to the law, I've been trained to think this forever, and anything she touches is now unclean, so stay away from that person. There's a problem. Jairus' thoughts are messing with him. His thinking is being challenged because Jairus understands we're heading to my house and he's now supposed to lay his hands on my daughter. But he's unclean and I just, I was raised to believe that. What do you do when your thought process is challenged by God's way of thinking? In that moment, Jairus could have said, you know what? Like, Jesus, I know that's what you think, that you should go to the house and lay your hand, but I don't, I don't think so. Because I was raised that like unclean people are unclean and now you're unclean. I don't need you to go bring that into my mess. Jairus had to make a tough decision. Will I leave my thoughts at the door and adopt the thoughts of God? For some of us in this place, that's going to be tough. But you can do it. Because your breakthrough is on the other side of that exchange. Your breakthrough, your miracle is on the other side of that exchange. I know the way your family's thought forever, but you may have to be the first one to exchange that mindset for God's mindset. Oh, they're going to hate on you for a moment until you walk into that room with an anointing to destroy the sickness that's on their life. I had people look at me like I was crazy until I led friends that thought I disowned them. I didn't disown them. I just changed the mindset. And God used me to lead many of them to God. They're thanking me today, but oh, when you make that exchange, you're not going to be really popular. Everyone was watching. Jairus, what are you going to do now, Jairus? Because Jesus is unclean. But Jairus said, I'm going to surrender my way of thinking for God's way of thinking. And Jairus experienced his breakthrough moment. Jairus, they say she's dead. I say she's asleep. What do you think? What do you think? It's crazy to think that these two groups can see something so different. But if I'm honest, every night I'm guilty of the same thing. If you're a dad, you're going to relate with me. I put my girls to bed. You get to bed around 8.30. My wife does. She puts, I'm not going to, my wife puts them to bed. I'm watching TV. <clears throat> but I go in, I go in about an hour later to pray over them. And after I'm done praying, I look at every one of them. And there's times where it's like you're, you're trying, you're like, oh, they're so cute, they're sleeping. But then you start thinking, like as a dad, you're like, are they breathing? This is what I know about dead things, dead people and sleeping people, as they look a whole lot alike. I'm looking at my kid, and I, I'll pinch their nose, I'll tickle their belly, and then they'll start to twitch. And I realize, okay, she's not dead. She was only asleep. I believe that God wants to touch some dead situations in this place. Like I know 
You're looking at that situation and you think it's dead, but one, one touch from God will cause that dead thing to start to twitch. Some of you today, God's going to touch your sickness. He's going to touch that. He's going to touch your body today. And you think it's dead, but you're going to go back a week and a half from now to your appointment and the, do- the doctors are going to say, hey, there's a, there's a change to what we thought and what happened. That dead thing started to twitch. Some of your relationships right now, you think, you think they're dead, but, but you're changing the way you think and God's going to touch that situation and all of a sudden that dead thing's going to start to to twitch. I believe dead things are going to start to twitch. I believe things are going to begin to change. I believe things you were ready to plan funerals for are going to start to open their eyes. They're going to start to move like your kid in bed when you start to tickle them. One touch from God can change it all. I can only imagine Jesus sitting at the bedside of this little girl who started to twitch. She sits up. Hey, Jairus, what do you think? Jesus, I think whatever you think. I think whatever you think. God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. We don't think like him. So we need God's word to transform our thinking. Your thought is a seed that grows into a belief system. That belief system will cause things to begin to change quickly in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right where you're at today. I'm not sure what you're going through. I'm not sure what you're facing. I don't know what your week looked like. But I'm talking to people that really believe some situations are dead. Oh, you wish they were asleep, but man, if you're honest... Andrew, I just think it's dead. My dreams, I just think they're dead. My future, I think it's dead. My my emotions, they're dead. My family, it's, it's just not moving. Your humility and vulnerability gives God permission to come in and touch that situation. I believe in this moment, God's going to touch some dead things. And you know, you may leave here feeling the same, looking the same. But if you keep that bad thought outside that door and you walk out with a new thought, I'm telling you, that thing will start to come back to life. His word never returns void. I'm going to ask Tom just to sing something, just to create a space and a moment for you to really examine, God, what are those dead things in my life? God, would you touch it? God, would you bring life back to it? God, I'm no match for this one. I need your supernatural divine power at work. God is still alive. God is still real. God can still do miracles today. Even if your situation is dead, God can bring dead things back to life. Let's sing something, Tom. God, today we just invite you into this space. We invite you into our life. We invite you to touch every dead situation, God. Transform it. Do what only you can do, God. Take my will. Do what only you can do, God. And conform it. We see by faith diagnosis being reversed. 
we see by faith depression my leaving minds. Take my heart. We see by faith anxiety going. We see by faith couples reunited. We see by faith families being restored. Take my will. Take my will. Thank you, God. Conform it. Conform it. We surrender it to you, God. To yours. To yours. Oh, Lord. Take my heart. Touch every dead situation. Take my heart. Touch every dead situation, God. Conform it. Take my mind. Take my mind. Transform it. Transform it. Take my will. Take my will and conform it. Take my mind and transform it. Take my mind and transform it. Take my will and conform it. Take my will and conform it to yours, Lord. To yours, to yours, oh Lord. If you're in this place today and you're struggling with something physically, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a common cold or you have stage four cancer. I want you to raise your hand in this place today. If you need God to heal your body, I want you to raise your hand today. I know that's a bold move for some of you to, to raise your hand. Christ is a healer. He's a healer. What's so beautiful about this is that when Jesus died on that cross, he did not just die to secure your eternity in heaven. There were some things that he reestablished on that cross. When God created man, he did not create sickness. Sickness showed up when man sinned. It was a broken system. Sickness came into the world. But when Jesus died on that cross, he fixed that broken system. Meaning... As a believer in Christ Jesus, sickness is not a part of my DNA. It's not a part of my DNA. And so right now, if you're battling with something, we're going to evict it because it's not rightfully there. As a born-again believer, it's not rightfully there. If I went to your house and ate all your food and sat there and did not pay any rent, you would kick me right out. So why are we tolerating something that is not supposed to be there? I'm going to pray, but I need you to say, God, that's for me. Sickness, go. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just speak over every infirmity. We speak over every disease. We speak over any damage that has been done. We speak even over damage that we have done to ourselves in our physical bodies. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you foul spirit, we bind you, we evict you. Spirit of infirmity, you cannot stay in that body. They belong to Christ. Sickness, go sickness go be healed in Jesus name be healed in Jesus name be healed in Jesus name with long life God will satisfy you some of you were planning on leaving at 
those aren't my words. Those are the words of your God. Yes, yes. He's a healer. Somebody receive that in this place today. If God did a miracle in you, would you just make some noise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify your name, God. There is nothing too difficult for you, God. You are greater. You are more powerful. You are stronger. You are faithful. right with God. You may be saying, what does that mean to be right with God? What do I have to do? Jesus died on a cross and he paid for everything that would ever have the power to disqualify you from knowing God. He paid for it. He dealt with it. He brought it on to himself so that for you and I, we don't have to go jump through hoops. We don't have to go pass every test. We just have to put our confidence that what Jesus did was enough for me. What he did on that cross was enough for you. I know you're bad. I know you've made some poor decisions in your life. But what he did on that cross was enough for you. And all you have to do is accept what he did. The Bible teaches that the practical step that we take to accept what he did by faith is to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is our Lord that he died for me, but that God raised him back to life for me. If you want to accept what he did for you today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. And just so I know who I'm praying with, I want you to slip your hand in the air if you desire to make that decision today. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands, and I see those hands. And church, in support of those that are praying that prayer, I'm going to ask us all, to pray this together. Say, God, God today, today I, surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, Jesus I, receive you I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. As my Lord and as my Savior. Forgive me of all of my mistakes. Forgive me of all of my mistakes. I thank you, I thank you that, my life that my life will never be the same again. Will never be the same again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate with those that made that decision today? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 